What's going on, men? Today, I am joined by Jeff Higgins, fraternity of excellence brother, husband, father, businessman, all-around good dude. And he's joined me today for us to talk about nine reasons wives do not want to have sex with their husbands. This taboo subject is something that men don't want to broach, but the fact of the matter is every man wants to ensure that his sex life is optimized. And so the only way to get there is to recognize not just what could you do to make it work better, but also what are you doing that's making it not work? What are the habits or behaviors you're displaying that are making your wife not want to have sex with you? We dive into that today. Make sure you don't just listen, but you apply the advice. Also, check all the links below. That way you can start following Jeff because he has jumped in the content creator's game. And I am more pumped than anybody out there because I know what this man has to deliver. So let's get right into the episode with Jeff Higgins and myself, Zachary Small, on nine reasons why wives do not want to have sex with their husbands and what we can do about it. This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am joined today by repeat guest. We recently had him on an episode talking sobriety. Today we're talking sex and marriage. That would be Jeff Higgins. Jeff, fraternity of excellence brother, uh, met multiple times in person, big family man, married, father, and still crushing it in life. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Super psyched to be here today, Zach, talking about a great subject, how to get men uh, happier about their marriages. That's the name of the game, man. And so you dropped a Twitter thread recently that really caught some attention. You know, people people start tuning in when people start talking about sex and marriage or sex in general. You know, it's a hot topic in society, the balance between men and women that we see going on, looking to bring improvement in relationships. There's multiple reasons people hit that, not to mention the haters. You had a few trolls coming in there. I saw that too. And so it's interesting people's take on all of this. But before we get into all that and we get into, you know, the, the thread that you dropped and the nine lessons we're going to share here today to help men improve their sex lives or nine things they can stop doing that is at least damaging their sex lives. I want to get to know a little bit more about you. So for those who don't know Jeff Higgins, who are you? What brought you to the content creation realm and how are things going? Uh, I'm a 43 year old guy in Florida. You know, I'm uh I figured uh, figured things out among my life as far as um, my career and my parenting, and um, you know I'm in a good marriage. But five or six years ago, I uh, I was looking for more. I wanted to improve on certain things. So one uh, one big thing that helped me out was joining the fraternity of excellence with you, and uh, wanted to make my marriage more intense, better. You know, we we had a good friendship and uh, a good partnership. But it wasn't it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. So I wanted to dig in and figure out exactly what I was missing and uh, did a lot of work in that area. And then you fast forward to 2022, uh, 2023 next week. Things are exactly where I wanted them to be, maybe even a little bit better. And uh, I learned that a, a lot of things can be learned. You know, you're not stuck with what you have. You can make improvements. Um you you talk with other guys, you swap notes of what works and you apply them. And here we are today. And now I'm trying to help some other men uh, get where I am and I'm enjoying life right now. You, know, you brought up the fraternity of excellence. There is a link below for anybody looking to join that private men's group of ours. 
But in there, I've had a front row seat to your growth. And that's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you because it seems like you found a way to get where men are trying to go. You found a way to do it. And when men do that, one of the things I look to do is kind of extrapolate how you did it, the dots you connected, what you saw that got you in motion. Because the way you did it, it's going to be different. It's different than the way I did it. It's different than the way other men are going to do it. But the lessons learned, those can be applied to any relationship. That man just has to cater to his woman. You know, and so a great example I give about, I talk about baseball with my son. Well, when you hear that, you should hear tennis or football or whatever your kid does, hockey. I never mentioned hockey, but since you're here, I'm going to bring it up. So it's important that as men are listening to this, keep that in mind. The lessons we're going to talk about are applicable to your marriage, but you've got to find a way to apply it your way. And again, because I've had a front row seat and I've been able to see that growth, one of the things I've noticed is the more dialed in you became, the better your relationship became. And so most men, and this is an issue, and I'm wondering if you've seen it as well, they're just good enough. And you mentioned it yourself. You had a good partnership. You had a good, you were getting along, you know, maybe the boat wasn't getting rocked, but something was missing. And it makes me think of the man who can wear that, that shirt and he's not obese, but when he takes that shirt off, he's not impressive. And so he, he doesn't have any motivation to really get better because he's just good enough. He's looking good in this shirt. Nothing stands out. He doesn't have a health scare. His gut might not be covering his belt. But at the same time, nobody's complimenting him. Nobody's turning their head when he walks by. And so I think that's where a lot of men are with this sex standard in their marriage. It's like, well, we get along, so maybe I should just accept this. Maybe this is normal and how it's supposed to be. You know, I don't really have a need to get better. And is that something you've seen? And if so, before we get onto the list, how do men get through that? What sparked you to wanting more than just good enough? I've always been unsatisfied with mediocrity. You know, when I um, when I chose my career path, I chose it because I wanted I wanted excellence out of it. You know, I didn't want to just um, be satisfied with mediocrity. I was always looking for better. One of the beauties of being a man is that you are so in control of your outcomes that you can you can improve to places um, based upon your output and your effort. The information is out there and it's all up to you, your drive, your internal motivation. So, I mean, I've made a lot of progress with my fitness just because I decided that guy looks better than me. Why? Why? Why should I let that be? Like, I, I'm as good as him. All I got to do is put in the work. And then, you know, you you go along and you get the results you're looking for and it snowballs. And now you got the momentum going and it's easier to maintain than get there. So if you put in the work to, to getting where you want to go, then life just gets better. So, I mean... That's one thing I wanted to mention about how much control we have as men over our lives. We only have one life. You know, it's like we better do it. We better do it now because 10 years you look back and you either took the opportunity or you missed it. But as far as why are guys um, satisfied with the status quo, I see a lot of fear. I see a lot of fear. Um, you don't want to lose what you have. It's good enough. I don't want to risk losing good enough. And uh, another part of it is they're just scared of their woman. You know, I mean, they're scared of the moods. They're scared. Well, we'll get into that with the reasons, but that's some of what I see. No, that's a great breakdown, man. And it, again, it really does highlight the fact that good enough is, is the death, you know, of great because you're, you stopped, you stagnate and then you fall apart. And to your point on only having one life, that's really a good point to drive home here. You have one opportunity at this. You know, it's like Eminem. You got one shot, one opportunity. You got to take it. <laughs> and so when we're looking at this, man, why go to your grave having had just enough sex? 
just enough happiness. Like if, when you look at marriages, why would you not look at them and be like, man, I want the best ever. I want to be walking around with a wife. You know, when they show the video, like, oh, every man wants a woman to look like this. And like, she's got like the puppy dog eyes. She's like eating his soul with her eyeballs. <laughs> why would you not want your wife of decades to look at you like that? Why would you not want your children? And this, this beyond marriage, but your family, why would you not want your children to be like proud of you being their dad? And looking up like, that's my dad. He's going to get it. Or he's the hero. He's going to save the day. Whatever it is. Why would you not want to be the man who walks around and we take your shirt off? People are like, damn, look at you. 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. Even 20, let's go back, 20 years old. A lot of young men are struggling with this. Why would you not want to put the effort into where you can get, and I don't care if you call it vanity or whatever it is, but you get the admiration that comes with building something that can't be bought. You built a body. You didn't. You can't buy your way into that. Even if you buy uh, Liver King's stack, you know, is 15K a month. You're not going to get there without putting in the work. You have to earn it. You've got to lift. You've got to put the reps in. You've got to be consistent. You've got to eat right. And so when it comes to marriage, it's the same thing. Why would you not want to just put those reps in and get your marriage to the point where you walk around knowing your girl has your back? She lusts, not just loves, she lusts for you like a crackhead. She's coming after you, you know, and you can get to that position where you're having that for the rest of your days. There will not be a point where Jeff or I are like, oh, now it's good. And I'm, I'm 55 years old. Now it's time to throw in the towel. There are men in their 60s inside FOE right now who are pushing and going beyond that. So I know it's possible. And so I don't see why any man would ever accept that outside of either, as you said, they're afraid to rock the boat and lose what they have. They've got one in the hand. Why not keep that one blowjob of the birthday a year? You know, once a month sex, if that. When, if they rock the boat, maybe they'll have nothing. That scarcity and that fear keeps men trapped. It drives me insane, man. I'm really glad that there are men like you banging this drum too, because sometimes I feel like no matter how loud I yell from the rooftops, it's not getting where it needs to go. Well, one thing you touched on briefly was like, guys might think they're selfish to build this uh, great body or you're always in the gym or whatever, or you see the woman looking at her husband and you're like, man, I would love to be that guy. But really your wife would love to be that woman. So you getting to a higher level, like that's a gift I've given my wife and my family is so that she can relax into her own feminine and happiness and admire her husband. That's, that's a gift that I'm, I'm satisfied to have given. That's well said, man. I like that reframe. And so let's stop prolonging this and let's dive right into this damn list, man, because it was impressive and it really turned some heads. So if you're watching, obviously you've got the list up. If you're listening, what we're going to do is we're going to scroll through the Twitter thread that Jeff dropped. We're going to address the issues laid out as well as some of the solutions that we would offer for a man who's in that situation. And so just to kick it off right out the gate, you know, the thread was titled nine reasons your wife doesn't like having sex with you. It's clear there is a lot of quiet desperation going on in marriage today. Husbands are starved for affection and wanting more, and wives completely turned off and bored. I like the play on words there. Men are going wrong in these nine ways. Jeff, way number one. Let's talk about it. Number you are one. boring and predictable. So let's let's dive right into that. Why did you start out with being boring and predictable? Um, because I was boring and predictable. <laughs> I look back at myself and, uh, you know, there was no mystery. I made no effort into it. And uh, so I also wrote, like, you view this as a strength. Like, I took pride in the fact that I was always on time and I'm consistent and I'm dependable. And here's the thing. I'm still consistent and I'm dependable. But I'm not as open a book. I leave some excitement about it. I don't overshare as much. Um, I don't I don't over-communicate. I tell her what she needs to know 
and what um, can benefit the relationship, but I might hold back things that are unnecessary or that might make me more boring. Um, so I just think and craft my, my image and my persona as if I'm dating this woman, which is a concept that kind of overlaps and that you taught me a long time ago. You know, you got to view your wife as a woman you're still trying to get, because if I was single, I'd be putting a lot of effort into attracting women. Why should I give my wife any less than that? I should give her more than the single women that I don't value that haven't earned my commitment. So I, I, I'm happy to do that for my wife now that I understand what I'm doing. No, no, that, that is so well said, man. And honestly, you're, you're right. Dude, this is a conversation we've had before. This is something I've been talking about for years. When my feet touch the floor, it's you're on date two and you're trying to get date three. So date one is when you get to know each other. You already know your wife. So that's why I went to two. Date two, you know the girl, you're understanding like what she's kind of into, but now you're looking to get her back onto your ship that day and then onto another date the following day. That is how we need to treat our wives. And when you're looking at that, the second part, you said stay in your comfortable cage of behavior and appearance because you're scared to take chances. This is unattractive. I'm going to bring that down so we can break down the solution to that too. How many men, and I dropped a tweet on this recently, you know, Jackie knew me when I was working at McDonald's, Sears, Intel, the Navy, a glass factory, when I started the blog, when I started the podcast, when I started the Fraternity of Excellence. This woman, I started the clothing brand in there. <laughs> this woman has no idea what I'm going to do next. My hair right now is like five inches long. You know, I've got the beard, but for eight years, I was clean shaven with my head almost shaved. My, my look has changed. I used to think that style was for gay men. I used to think that only like gay dudes cared how they looked. And then I came across a well-built style in Tanner Guzzi. And I learned and I was like, you know what? Jackie probably wants to see an attractive man too, who cares about his style, you know? So the, the graphic t-shirts went out and the plain, you know, V-necks came in, things that hugged my body, the Henleys. I started investing in my look because why would we not want our women attracted to us? And you've said something in the past and, and I'm sure, you know, people heard this a thousand times from this podcast. Our wives are women. I think that's what's lost with these men. They forget they are trying. They think that she's my wife. It's almost like a sister. It's somebody that, oh, that's family. They don't care what I look like or how I act like you would your sibling, except this is your lover. And that that bl uh, that blend there of titles and the role in your life. I think that's what leads to a lot of this complacency. Yeah, I mean, if you start slipping into um, just mediocrity, it's she's not going to leave you immediately. So it's tough for you to recognize exactly what's happening, but slowly you are fizzling out your attraction. So it's important to remain conscious of, of what image you are projecting. Are you attractive? Your wife is a woman. What's attractive to all women? She'll like that too. It's, it's really that simple. Well, when you think about the effort that goes into it too, and now actually we can talk about, you know, a solution for that. So what would your recommendation be for the man who has slipped into that complacent behavior where day in and day out, same routine, same clothes, same look, same cologne, same everything. How do you snap the fuck out of that without obviously going out and shaving a mohawk and, you know, going too extreme with this? Well, one important thing is you, you still have to be authentic. You're, you're not putting on a show and like doing something just to gain attention because you're, you're trying to change it up. I mean, for me, um, you know, I grew a beard a bunch of years ago. I wasn't planning on it. I started growing it. And my wife was like, that's terrible. And my daughter was like, shave it. And now they beg me not to. I did something that I wanted to do. And I didn't care that the feedback was negative because it was what I wanted to do. I wasn't looking for, for guidance. So it's, um, I'm aware of how I'm presenting myself. I'm aware of how the rest of the world would see how I'm presenting myself. And that's kind of more important than tailoring my, 
my uh, style decisions to what I think my wife would like. No, it's a great point, man. You know, when I look at it, I think the same, you know, you, you've got to go about this your way. It's not about acting like a different man. It's about acting like your best self, you know? And so your best self, he wouldn't think that it was selfish to go out and buy new clothes. You know, it's selfless to a degree. Obviously don't go and bankrupt your family, you know, dropping 15 K on, you know, new swag and wardrobe. You just walk around saying, I got some drip. What you can do is go replace those shirts, man. Go get some new, better fitting jeans. Buy yourself some shoes. Ladies love shoes. Get yourself a nice pair of kicks, a nice pair of white sneakers, you know, some boots, whatever it is. Go and start investing in how you look. Start caring about how you look. Right before we actually recorded, I, I had grass all over my hoodie because I was outside with the kids doing yard work. And then I was like, hey, Higgins, I got to change, man. I, I can't sit here and talk about being your best self. If I can't sit here and just go change a shirt so I don't look like I just came out of a swamp, you know, and that's just for a podcast. If I'm going out with my lady, I'm not going to be the dude looking like a giant man child wearing my favorite band from high school. I'm 35 years old, brother. <laughs> like we have to evolve. We've got to grow up, you know, and I don't feel bad when I have to order something new. It's because I need that thing. And so I'm not looking to be somebody else. And a lot of men get real upset about that. Oh, you're telling me to be like your alpha bro. Well, fuck. Yeah, I am. I want you to be the alpha bro. I want you to be the dude in charge of your life. 100%. But I'm not saying you've got to go and put on a show and try to be the next Dan Bills or, or Andrew Tate or, or Grant Cardone or whoever the hell, whatever international playboy you're following at the moment. What I want you to do is be your best you. And that requires you looking the part. And so even if you have a beard, you know, like same thing as you, Jeff. And I, it's funny because exact same story. Nobody wanted it. I grew it. Now nobody wants me to shave it. But guess what? I'll put beard oil on this thing. You know, I'll, I'll get it around the neck. I don't let my cheeks come up to my eyeballs. I shave those things so it still looks good. It looks maintained. You know, it's not just this, this wild thing growing on my face. I care about it. Why? Because I care about how I'm perceived by the world because that's how the world works. If you look good, you will feel good. And I'm all about feeling good, man. I'm all about being confident in my look and my appearance. I'm about going out there and knowing the standard that you will see or judge my family upon is that that we want you to see. I don't want you looking at me thinking he's a giant kid. I want you looking at me like, all right, that's a good looking man. And the lowest hanging fruit, um, like you mentioned, was like the graphic tees and stuff like that. Dress like an adult. You know, you don't need to, uh, to have your favorite NFL team on your T-shirt every day. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the second one on this list. The second thing is you constantly look to her for guidance. Jeff, man, you, you came out the gate swinging. I love it because she is your wife, not your mother. And so you break that down by saying an exciting man leads the way. Decisiveness is a gift to give your woman. She does not want to have to help you figure things out. You're a man. Figure out the best course of action for the family and lead the way. Again, you're ruffling feathers here because we're talking about men leading and the world is very anti that. But that's exactly what has happened in every single relationship that I have seen turn around to where both the husband and wife are happy. And so when you drop this, what does it mean to you when you, when you talk about men constantly looking to the wife for guidance? Yeah. Decisiveness is the operative word. Um, when I look back at what I was doing wrong, when we were just good friends, but uh, it wasn't as hot as I wanted it to be. Uh, I bought into a lot of the equal partnerships. We're equal. We, we both, there no one, no one is um, above the other. And that's not what it's about. It's uh, my wife doesn't want to make a lot of the decisions. She would rather I make some of the decisions. It takes the pressure off her. Again, it's another gift I give to the marriage. It's, I don't. She doesn't have to do that. She can trust that I will make the decisions for her. Um, <sighs> when you're looking at that too, you know one of the things that stands out to me is how many men say they don't care. They they don't speak their truth. And do you think that they're afraid? to voice an opinion because it might upset the boat again or, or make some waves like why do you think so many men 
if you were to ask me or if Jackie would ask me, Zach, do you want Chinese food or me Mexican food tonight? I would say Mexican. Mexican food is, is the greatest food in the world. And so it's always going to be Mexican. But I would never say, I don't care. I wouldn't say, what do you want? She's come to me asking me. I'm making my decision. So why do so many men struggle with that? They can't even choose where they want to eat. Never mind life choices and leading this family. And how do they expect their woman to trust them to save the day when shit hits the fan if they're not even willing to choose where they want to eat some food? It's just a lack of understanding. They don't understand when she says, would you like Chinese or Mexican? She's really saying, please make the decision for me. I don't want to choose. Like, I want, I want you to take that responsibility off my plate. So do it for her. <laughs> it really is that simple, man. You know what? I, I think people nuke this. But now let's talk about the solution. And so when you're looking to resolve this, how does a man start the process of making decisions when he's uncomfortable doing so? I mean, if you don't know how to do it, just pick one and and, uh, and learn how to do it along the way. You'll get more used to it after you try. It, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Chinese or Mexican, you know? I mean, you if you have Chinese tonight, have Mexican next week. Just pick one and try it out, and then you'll get more comfortable making decisions along the way. See how it goes. I mean, you might you might surprise yourself that, Holy shit, like that that is what she wanted. She wanted me to make a decision. And she's happier eating the Mexican because she didn't have to make the decision herself. Well, it's like when we talk about men planning the date, you know, just telling her, like, hey, we're going somewhere at this time on this day. You're gonna wear something like this. This is the venue we're going to. So pick some an outfit like that. Or I like this outfit. Go with that. Men have a very uncomfortable time making choices like that for their woman. I, I know men who can't order food for their girl. They, they couldn't order at a restaurant. My wife has fucking food allergies, man. So not only do I, can I order for her, but when I order for her, I also have to be that guy who's like, no cheese, no eggs, no dairy, making sure like, and I don't care, man, because I'm taking care of my family. Men should be able to do this. And so when you're looking at the problem there, the issue is when you are unable to say what it is you want, you are unable to express who it is you are to your spouse. And how do you want her to meet your needs if she doesn't know who you are, what it is you want, because you don't even know what it is you want. You don't know what you're allowed to have. And I think that brings us right to the solution of this is that you choose your path, man. You don't say like, am I allowed to make this decision? Just go make the decision. Go live your life. Go start acting like an adult. Again, instead of a man child, you are not meant to be another kid for that woman to raise. You are her lover. You are her husband. You are the man that she tied her lifeboat to with the expectation that you were going to fulfill your potential and continue going in the trend that you were on when she married you. But so often that part's lost. It's like you're you're the man, you've got your friends, you've got your hobbies, you're locked in, you're a squared away dude, you get married and you're like, I don't care about where we eat, I don't care about what we wear, I don't care where we go, who we talk to or anything else in the world, I don't care, I got my girl, I'm just going to live and die with whatever I'm allowed to get along the way. That is a death sentence I will not live. I will not live like that and I don't want my fellow men living like that. Hey Amen, 100%. I mean, we, we talk about how um, a lot of the way women approach their relationships has a lot to do with how their relationship was with their father. Um, there's some guidance there. They, they want some guidance naturally. It's biological. Um, conversely, how we are with our mothers. Like if, if you had a, a struggle with your mother growing up or you're too dependent on your mother and you transfer some of that to your woman, that's going to cause a problem, certainly in the desire factor. She doesn't want a son as her lover. She, she wants a daddy. Yeah, you go. <laughs> I like that. She goes from dad, you become daddy. When you're looking at this, one of the things too, as far as how to start the process, you know, looking at the simple decisions, if you remove, I don't care from your vocabulary mm. and you say yes or no to other areas, you're going to find that you will build the confidence there. 
And this is something that we've discussed actually quite a bit inside the fraternity of excellence. Men will come on and they, they haven't been in an environment like that. And this, I do believe, also plays into it. And that's why I don't really slam the guys who struggle with these things. I saw your list. I went through. I was like, I get it. I, I also knew a lot of dudes who were going to relate to it. But I don't get upset with them because I understand they've not had an example as to what right looks like. They were likely raised by a father who didn't care or wasn't around or kind of just showed up and the food is ready. But he, the son never saw that, that masculine presence. He never saw a fatherly example as to how to live like that. Most dads don't show their kids. They don't tell them. They just kind of do it or they fall into the what not to do. And the, the son replicates that because they don't know what's good behavior versus bad behavior. They see your example and they think that's what I'm supposed to be. So if you're a, a supplicating beta male, your son's going to think that's what an alpha male is because in your eyes, you're a hero to that boy. And so he's going to follow you and be like you and think, oh, I'm supposed to nice guy my way into the, these women's worlds. I'm supposed to not care or make waves. I'm supposed to be following and happy wife, happy life. And I don't know if you've seen Daddy's Home too, but Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are the dads and they, they kind of like share kids, whatever, custody, whatnot. And one of the sons or the son, he wants to have the talk. And Mark Wahlberg's like the beta. I mean, Mark Wahlberg's the alpha. Will Ferrell's the beta. And Will Ferrell's like, what you do is you be their friend. And you lean in. You don't make weight. And all these like horrible, horrible things. Mark Wahlberg catches it. He's like, no, skip all of that. But the point is, there are a lot of Will Ferrell dads out there. And so what we're saying here, and like I was saying with the men in FOE, what you do when you join a community or you start acting like a man and choosing to find better male role models, you learn who you are and you learn how to express that. And Anthony, uh, Anthony Miglarino, co-owner of the fraternity, a friend of ours, he's constantly banging that drum of just let people see you. Just speak your truth. Say what it is you feel. Let other people deal with the fallout of that. It's not your job to control their behaviors. It's your job to be the light. You're, you're the source. You're the signal. You're not the recipient. So instead of consuming this shit and trying to like buy things and be the person you think you're supposed to be, go create. Go put your signal to the world. Go tell people who you are. Let them see the real you. And you'll find the connection you get off of that. And the respect and admiration from your woman, that's going to get you in the direction that you're looking to go. And all of a sudden, you're like, by doing the opposite of what society has told me to do, I'm getting what it is I want. Well, that's part of the problem is like as society gets more feminized and men aren't as strong, it becomes more prevalent. So then new children have fathers that have been softer. So if I dropped this thread 30 years ago before Twitter existed, people have been like, yeah, no shit. Like it, it would have just been obvious. But we have we have fathers who have kind of bought into society in many cases, and um, you know we're we're suppressed into thinking that masculinity is bad. So you have to be reminded of the simple truths that were so obvious thirty years ago, and that's where FOE comes in a lot for me. Like my dad wasn't a beta, but he was uh, he worked a lot. You know, um, there's a lot of long hours, so my masculine influences were not enough him. It was my teachers, for example, or some of my coaches. And what if they had beta influences? So you have to deliberately seek out where you are going to learn what's right and what's not. Now, you have a group like FOE. you got 160 guys who realize that masculinity is not toxic. It's good and important. And you raise your children um, to, know, to value strong uh, strength. So you're in a community. You um, bounce ideas off each other. And you start to understand what's right, what's traditional things that are good that we've lost. You know, it's, it's interesting. And this is a, for a different episode and I'll, I'll be getting Higgins back on here to talk other things again, but it's very interesting. We can take a note on this one. 
what our kids are seeing, what they're emulating and what they're going to be when they're coming up in the sea of children who are surrounded by just like weak examples. I see it already, man. Like it's, it's interesting watching my son and daughter navigate their world and how they influence their peers. Dude, it's, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see that play. But again, different podcast for that one. I want to get back to this list. And so for three, you are scared to say no. You feel guilty for denying any of your wife's requests. You are the leader of your family. When someone under your guidance wants something that is not in their best interest, no is another gift you give them. No is powerful. Try it. What brought you to this conclusion? What, what was it that made you really go out of your way to just put the word no? All right. So uh, a lot of the inspiration for the thread is that me and you host a sex and relationship call on FOE. So we we have direct exposure to what guys are doing every day in their lives. Every week, new problems come up. And then I also think back to how I was before I got it right. And I was scared to say no a lot of days. If my, if my wife wanted something and it wasn't a big deal and I could accommodate it, whatever. Yes, you can have it. You can have it. Why, why would I start a fight over it? Why rock the boat? Why risk losing what I have? They, they're all related. I mean, they're so fear-based. But now I say no if it's not the right decision because I don't care about the immediate reaction. If she's unhappy immediately because I said no and no is the right thing to say, that doesn't bother me. And uh, that was something I had to make peace with. Do you think boundaries play a role in that, though? You know, and, and again, I'm trying to keep us on the, the problem right now before we get to the solution. And we can talk so solving and enforcing boundaries. But do you think that there's an issue there where they've never learned how to kind of defend a, a position that they've taken? Sure. And I think the boundaries that a lot of guys set are only like for worst case scenario. Like they'll set a hard boundary if you go out and cheat on them. But, you know, if you were just talking to some guys over a couple of drinks, uh, you know, she wasn't going to do anything, you know, whereas you'd rather set the boundary like, look, it's you're not going to flirt with other guys. You set the boundary where it should be set, not just to avoid the argument until it's nuclear. No, that's well said. And I agree. And one of the things you brought up, you know, with our weekly call on SNR, so we have a, a channel dedicated strictly to sex and relationships. And for that to occur within FOE, that should really highlight the importance of this. There are certain channels that, that get weekly engagement and focus, but with daily interaction as well. And so we're talking fatherhood. We talk a lot of the, the mind, body, spirit, but sex and relationships is one. You actually just finished a financial challenge too. And so we're really trying to hit these main points existing within these men's lives. And here with the sex and relationships call, we are really on the front lines with these men who are looking to be better. And that does offer a, a look inside those who are still at level one. Because I was trying to think back when you said that you were saying who you were and looking back to who I was, I have to go back to high school. The military shifted something in me. And so from 19 on, I, I was very confrontational against everybody. You know, I was, I found a new me, I guess the fire was there. And so with Jackie, if it was yes, it was yes. If it was no, if it was, it was no. And I'm going to take a page from Phil, uh, our buddy, Phil Foster. Check him out, philfosterfitness.com. He's got everything if you're looking to dial your mind, body, and spirit in. But when I looked at uh, how I was leading my relationship, I didn't really know how to describe it properly because I didn't just say no to Jackie just to be an asshole. Like I would listen. I would take feedback. But if like, hey, you want to do this? Like I want to go there. No. Well, it was a little bit more than that. And so the way he describes it is he's the judge and she's the lawyer. And that makes a lot more sense to me. I hear her case, but it's my it's my job to decide what the, the verdict's going to be. You know, what's the, what's the sentencing here? Is it yes or is it no? And if I'm like, no, but then Jackie comes back, she's like, well, think about this, this, and this. I might then say yes. There might be things I don't know. And so one of the things I want to be crystal clear here is men, 
need to get to the point of saying no. Get to that. Just sometimes just say it, just to fucking say it, just to get yourself comfortable, like being confrontational. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't want to do this. No, I'm not going to go there. Say no more. But at the same time, once you get to that rhythm, don't fall into the habit of saying no. Start learning how to interact and properly lead your people. And so this is where I would like to shift it a little bit to boundaries as well, is there are times where the answer or, or the, the issue going on, it's not really challenging a boundary. You know, it's, it's saying, hey, do you want to, I want to go to my parents for this party. And you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go here. Okay, let's talk about it. It's not really a boundary there. That's just a preference. But there are times like, hey, I want to send our kids to public school. If you're, if you're bent on homeschooling and that's a fucking boundary, it's like, no, we're not doing that. We're, we agreed to this. We're doing this. We're going on this path. Unless you can present a really good reason as to why I'm maybe I'm missing something here. No, we're not doing that. And so have you found or as far as boundaries go, where where is your stance on developing, enforcing and importantly, is there room for compromise? Yeah, I'm glad I get to expand on this a little bit because I want to make it really clear. My wife's input is very valuable to me. I love my wife. I care about her and she's a great woman and I couldn't say enough good things about her. So if she has input, I listen and I consider it strongly. But on the other hand, the direction of my family, um, the outcome is my responsibility. If we fail, it was my fault. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. So, you know, that's a that's a heavy weight to carry. So ultimately, the decisions are mine and the input is considered from her. And she knows that and she likes it that way. So um our boundaries are, are very well understood. We don't even have to really spell them out. Like it's just clearly understood and uh, life is good. You brought up a really good point there that I want to hit on too. It's not so much boundaries as much as roles. If there's a bump in the night, do you think Jackie's getting out of the bed to go investigate that? Or do you think I'm going to, you know what I mean? There are certain things that just make sense. And so in, in your relationship and mine, it just makes sense to operate from that manner. Like, yeah, we're, we're, le- we're the judge. She's the, the lawyer. And we go forward. Like she doesn't have to worry about that shit. And if I make a bad call, that's on me. I have to fix that easy day, you know, and that's, that comes with being a man. You know, people say heavy is the head that wears the crown, but they don't ever suffer any of the weight because they refuse to pick up the responsibility. And so what fucking crown are they wearing? It's like the Burger King one that's made out of paper. You can go get like, that's, that's not what this is about. We're talking about being able to make decisions enforce them, support them and be leading with a, a point that, you're focused on how this is impacting everybody, not just yourself. You know, I moved my family down here to North Carolina from Rhode Island, 650 miles to a house unseen, town unseen. One of the wildest things we've ever done, man, but we had to get out. We did that as a family, but ultimately that came down to her. Jackie saying to me, are we doing this? And the final point of us pulling the trigger and doing this whole fucking thing was me. And dude, there were times where I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we we got to see it through. And so when everybody's tired and smoked and we're in a new town or we're making friends and shit, I have to be that source of energy. I can't break on myself. I've got to be the one to carry that weight. And, I, dude, I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. And guess what? Now we're thriving. But if I were to put that all on her, oh, this is your fault or you got to handle all this. Bro, she would have been stressed the fuck out because just, just due to biology, emotions, men are more stoic. Women are more emotional. You know, like we, we can hold it in, like figure it out and stay cool, calm and collected where Jackie, it, it drives more. And I'm saying Jackie, but like all women, it just drives them more. Their emotions really do grab the wheel. And so what happens when you're stressed out and the emotions are taking control? You're going to fucking go off the road and you're going to hit a ditch. But as long as you can stay collected and keep your hand in the wheel and drive through that stress, you're going to find yourself doing all right. 
And this is why I believe men should be leading in their relationships. We are built for this, like wired, like on the inside and outside, our bones, our minds, everything inside of us is built to lead. So lead men. Yeah, that, it's funny because I, I moved my family quite a bit too from Massachusetts to Florida. And uh, <laughs> my wife was scared. She was scared and she wasn't sure it was a good idea. And uh, she trusted me. And now she she tells me at least weekly how happy she is that we're down here. You know, so that's Yo, how we're it in. Very crazy Floridians. All right. <laughs> so I got to give you a shout out here before we get into number four. We ran a physical fitness challenge and one of the areas was aesthetics. It was going for the sexiest man title. And you won that. You are you are still until we kick this next one off and we get a new champ, the reigning sexiest man in the fraternity of excellence. And that makes a lot of sense because it bleeds right into your own point here. Number four, you don't lift. Guys who look like they regularly pick up heavy things have wives that are more sexually available as a rule. Exceptions apply, but correlation is huge. Cardio alone doesn't get this done. Super lean guy has almost as much difficulty as an overweight guy. Let's talk about that. Well, first and foremost, the new champ of uh, Sexiest Man is going to be the old champ. I'm going to repeat. <laughs> you got a lot of guys coming for you, man. That's true, but I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back at it. I have a lot of experience with this. Um, I used to be overweight in my 20s, and uh, I quit drinking eight and a half years ago. And when I quit drinking, I went so deep into the cardio route that I uh, started running. I ran marathons, and then I did an Ironman. So I got real, real lean, like light. I went from 260 at my peak to 177 on Ironman day. And now I walk around at about 215. When I was getting lean, I remember thinking to myself, man, if I was single, I'd probably be doing CrossFit or lifting instead of doing all this running. And it didn't even oh, occur. <laughs> I, I played myself. I couldn't believe it. Thank God. I realized a couple of years later, I'm like, wow, I, I'm, I'm going to try to put on some muscle. And, uh, a lot of things happened during that process, things I never expected to happen. Um, the mentality changed as much as my body. You know, I've went from 177 to 215. That's a, a lot of size and I'm lean enough to win the sexiest man. So I did it good. Um, but the mentality changed more than the body and the world changes. It, it has been unbelievable um, just to walk around and how like people want to have conversations with you. I mean, I'm not looking for attention from women because I'm very happily married, but the attention's been insane. Um, it, walking around with some muscle is a game changer. So how does that affect your wife? Don't even worry about that, actually. It's how it affects you. Like, I just know I'm more valuable uh, at this point. It, it feels better to have muscle. I feel more capable. When that bump in the night comes, I welcome it. It's an opportunity. Let, let's, let's go, you know? Um, so... It's just a better way to live. It's a better way to live. No, I completely agree, man. I mean, it's it's healthy, you know? Like, who doesn't want to be healthy? But I, I do want to look at it from the wife's point of view because there are going to be a lot of men saying, but she says she loves me the way I am. <laughs> she loves me for who I am. And that might be the case. She might love you. You know, you're there. You're good to her kids. You offer, you know, whatever comforts that you offer. But we're talking about sex. So let's not forget the topic here. You know, actually, let's let's bring up and let's repeat that header. Nine reasons your wife doesn't like having sex with you. Mm. So we're specifically focused on one element of your relationship here. And this is where I think it's so important for men to remember your wife is a woman. What woman does not want a man who has mass? What woman does not want a man who does not have a beer gut? Who does not throw his back out when he sneezes? Who does not relate more to Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson 
than he does like Rocky or Rambo or any of the fucking action heroes out there. Why would you think that your woman is so different from all these other women fawning over these muscular men? And we're not even talking bodybuilder status. Don't sit there and tell me, well, you got to be Jay Cutler or Ronnie Coleman. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a healthy physique, a healthy, no man should be above 15% body fat. I've been above 15% body fat. I'm probably sitting around 15 right now. People who are sitting at 20, 25, 30, 40, 50% body fat. Why do you think that your wife loves you the way you are? She's stuck with you. She has to. She got stuck and she's tied financially to you. Your children are there. So she's going to say nice things to you. But here's the reality she won't tell you. And here's the reality your children will not tell you because they love you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They wished you were more capable. They wish you look better. They wanted to take more pride in your physicality. My kids, they look at me like a fucking hero, man. My dad could do this. Oh, pick me up. Oh, let's do this. My daughter has me stunting with her, throwing her up and shit. You know, kids of with parents who are overweight, they don't get that luxury. They don't get to have those moments. And so this isn't just a vanity thing. This is truly, and this goes back to what Jeff was saying, what happens inside of you when you know I'm a man who does the right thing when nobody's looking. I'm a man who can pick heavy shit up off the ground. I'm a man who could run and who can climb. I'm so comp- confident in my competence of my physicality that I just walk around with like an air of, I know I've got this. I don't try to hide. I don't worry, like suck in my gut and like tilt my hip. So my, somehow my fucking belt is still showing. I have a stomach that goes straight down, you know, and this comes from reps and I, I've shared my photos. You know, there, there was a fat Zach out there and I recognized it again. Big shout out to Phil. That's who I worked with to get my hormones dialed in, my nutrition dialed in, my physical, uh, my physical training dialed in. I sought help. And so nobody's going to knock you right now for being fat. But what we're going to do is knock the shit out of you for staying fat because you've been given the information. If you're listening to this podcast from this point forward, it is now a choice to stay where you are. You will feel better. Your children will be more proud. And I promise you, when when I'm not going to go down that path. When your when a lady grabs those shoulders <laughs> or grabs your back, you know, and they feel those boulders that you have inside of you, she will say something and you will, for the first time, be snapped out of that illusion. You're like, oh shit, she did notice that I put on some mass or she has noticed that I've lost weight. And when she says that, go back to this podcast in your mind and be like, I fucking told you. I've not seen a woman not be more attracted to their man when they got in better shape, lost weight, dressed better. Yeah. I, uh, while you're talking, I'm just thinking about Stop lying to yourselves. I mean, there are some people that really think like, Oh, my, my wife doesn't like that. Or like my, my wife likes dad bods. You know, the thing is some women actually say it and they believe it. Maybe they, they convince themselves that they don't want a guy with some muscle. It, it's just not true. It's uh, it's biological. It's just ingrained. Um, women are attracted to stronger men than weaker men um, and than skinnier men. I mean, if you're fat, lose the fat. But if you're skinny, put on the muscle. Like, you're lying to yourself if you don't think it matters. Um, the other thing is she might she might not want you to get in good shape because there is a little bit of, of fear on their behalf. As you get more attractive, that can cause some, some fear inside which is also good for your sexual relationship. That's a, a separate topic even, but... um, Dread. Yeah, dread. I mean, it's real. Um, and as you get in better shape, you might have some discouragement. And it's just a test, and you got to keep going. Well, let's go a little bit further down there, too. The pushback they're going to get is almost the consequence of their shitty leadership. 
Because if you let a woman to being comfortable and overweight as well, and you're starting to flip the script, something flipped in your head. Maybe it was this podcast. Maybe you saw something. Maybe you had a health scare. You know, you felt like you're having a heart attack. Whatever it is that kicked you into gear that didn't happen to your wife. And so now you're kind of changing the rules on her. You're like, oh, now we're a fit couple. And now we got to get healthy and do this. She's comfortable being fat now because you brought her to that level. And so the pain and the frustration that comes from that, that's your fault. Don't, don't point at her and be like, oh, she's just some fat wife who is nagging at me. No, she was fucking duped. <laughs> you, you sold her a lifestyle you were going to live. And that's, she's like, all right, cool. I'm going to follow you here. And now she's like, I have to do all this work to get out of this. Like I was better before I could have stayed there. I would have been happy there. You made me like this. And now you want me to go back to that, dude. It's hard to snap those routines and those habits. And you don't get to blame the wife for you leading her to the position she's in. And so that's, and again, I try to play devil's advocate on some of these messages because I do I see it so frequently where resentment builds in the relationship because they're mad at their woman for acting like the woman that they created. That's not okay. You cannot blame her for something you did. She's not the problem there. You are. You caused it. And so now you've got to find a way to work with her to get her back. And oftentimes it's by leading by example, by being consistent. How many times have men said, I'm going to change things. This is the year. 2023 is the year. I'm changing my whole life. And then three weeks into it, you fucking quit if you make it to three weeks. And so she's so used to that. She's not going to get on board until two, three, four months. Then when you're locked in, she's like, all right, he's serious this time. That's how long it might take of you dealing with her bullshit, throwing in your path. You don't deviate though. You do. If you know that you're doing this because this is the best thing for you, you do not deviate from the path. Not once, not ever. You stay the course, you stay focused. And every time she brings it up at, with resistance or all of a sudden she's an amazing baker and she's making like five kicks a fucking day. You just roll over. Hey, I'm not going to have that, but thank you for making it. Let's go give it to the chickens. You know, let's give it to the kids. Let's give it to the neighbors. Let's bring it to a party, the school, whatever. But you don't get mad at her for doing this. You just kiss from the fucking forehead. Thank you very much. All right. I got to go to the gym or I'll have a piece because guess what? It fucking fits on macros. Yeah. So maybe you're listening to this and you're having an epiphany and you're like, oh my God, I got to do this, but it's so overwhelming. It sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work and it, does, it doesn't have to be done overnight. You take it one step at a time. And you lean in to do the work because you have two choices. You could either do the hard thing or you can do the easy thing. And it's back to one life. In two years from now, are you going to be glad you made the decision to really dig in, to do the hard work, to lead yourself and your family to better health? Or do you just want to avoid it and keep on doing what you're doing? And if you join FOE within the next two weeks of me posting this, you can jump in on the physical challenge of running, which I'll be doing. Jeff, I'm coming for you, man. <laughs> It's on. All right. Number five reason why your wife does not like having sex with you. You are emotionally unstable. You get angry. You drink and get silly. You can be triggered by her goading you into argument. All these emotional highs and lows are feminine. There are times to, and this goes back to that emotional control and being driven by emotions I was talking about. All these emotional highs and lows are feminine. There are times to enjoy yourself or to feel pain, but always be in control of your emotions. There are times to enjoy yourself or to feel pain. That's a very important important point, Jeff, because oftentimes men, they go in the direction of like, oh, bro, you're saying men don't feel. That's not what we're saying. But let's dive more into that. Wives don't want to have sex with their husbands because they're emotionally unstable. What do you mean? Wives want a man. Um, you know, we talk about the oak tree. The oak tree can bend with the wind, but it's not flailing all over the place. You're steady. You're you're reliable. Um, doesn't mean you're predictable, but you're reliable because you can't be knocked over by something small. You know, if, if you're if you're picturing someone and you push them and they fall down, that's weak. If you push them and they give a little bit, but they're still standing there strong, that's strong. 
So if an emotional uh, subject comes up and it hits you and you can weather the storm and keep your head about you and you're able to make the decisions the right way, despite um, your emotions wanting to run out of control, you're becoming a stronger man. Well, when you look at that too, one of the things that we got to go back to, I mean, when you're scared to say no, or, you know, you're, you're in that position where you can't make a decision, you're afraid. And that fear drive, that emotion of being afraid, that emotion of, oh, I'm stressed out or, oh, this is hard. You know, when you break at that, why do you think that she's going to trust you? And if she doesn't trust you, why do you think she's going to be attracted to you? And to go back to the, all the way to the original point I was making about it being date number two to get to date number three. If you on the second date are crying because life is mean to you, why do you think that girl's ever going to pick up her phone when you call again? And again, I, I don't know how else to explain this to people. So I'm going to say it literally, but this is the God's honest truth. When I look at Jackie each day, I convince myself I'm looking at a different woman. I, I like, I, I do something to my mind. It's like a, a mental game I play where I'm like, Oh, like, cool. Like, look at her eyes. You know, her eyes are on fire. Look at that smile. Like what a cute smile she has. You know, the smell comes back, like the color of her hair. Like I play this game where she's like a new girl and I get to see her. Like she came out for coffee today and I was like, damn, what's up, booty? You know, because like she's wearing like short shorts or something. But like I was just immediately one second into seeing her in the day. And here we are. I'm flirting. I'm making her laugh. You know, I've got her giggling and shit. And we go throughout the day. Dude, things get fucking hard, man. Like 2022 was like the year of injury and, and stress. Because so many things were happening in our family. Like my son got hurt. My daughter got hurt. My wife got hurt. I got hurt like five times, man. You know, and then we had just all sorts of shit going on around the world. Shit with business. Like so many things were happening. And the tempo was so fast. But I was always in that seat with a smile on my face saying, I got this. We're good. Like I'm not going anywhere. We got it. We're locked in. And when the waves would hit, you fucking take it. Cool. When Jackie would hit me with waves, take it. The kids, whatever. I would go to the fraternity and be like, yo, guys. Shit's fucking crazy, huh? Let me let me offload a second. I got all this shit going on in my head. I would offload to the men. They'd be like, all right, cool. Here's what I'm thinking or here's what I'm seeing. All right, go forward and get after it. All right, thanks, bros. Fist bump. I'm back in gear. Not slowing down. Not worried at all. Emotions controlled. Now, do I ever show emotions to Jackie? For sure. She's my wife. And so if I'm frustrated, I'll sit there. If I see something in the news that's absolutely like, we're going to vaccinate children. We're going to vaccinate pregnant women. I'm like, fuck, babe. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Why aren't they seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I, I share that frustration. You know, if, if things get weird in our life, like I share that. If I have any questions about like our parenting or where we're at with the kids, like I'll talk to her about where I'm at and where she's at. This is this is normal human behavior. But men are not meant to be man childs. You don't want to be a man baby where you're controlled by these fucking things. You should be able to speak to your spouse about what you're feeling without being controlled by what you're feeling. You should always be in charge, always in control of what it is that's happening inside. And if it's slipping away, that's for your fellow men. That's for your tribe of brothers. That's not for you to word vomit onto your wife. She doesn't need your failings because then as soon as she gets it from you, she's like, fuck, I guess I have to grab the wheel. And now you've got a power struggle going on. Yeah. When my wife brings me heavy things um, and I'm unflappable and I got this and that that's the answer, like... She knows now, like there's nothing she can bring me that is going to cause me to panic because I got it. It's a belief in myself that I developed more. Like I've gotten through everything for the last 43 years. Why will I not get through tomorrow? I mean, I just, I know that I believe in myself. So it's not hard not to react, not to be overly emotional. You know, if she wants drama, she can call any one of her friends and she'll get the highs and the lows. 
if she wants, uh, I got this and you cannot get me off balance, that's attractive. She likes that. That's a good point, man, because I think I've said exactly that. You know, there are times where she'll she'll bring something up and the same thing she'll bring up but a different way and the same thing a different object like, stop. I'm not going to give you what you're looking for here. <laughs> like call call your mom, call somebody else, call my sister. Like I'm not the one though. Like I don't care or I've already handled it, made my decision. I'm not changing from that. And so she's like, fine, fine. You know, and she's even said things like that. She's like, you're so locked in. I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm not worried about things that you don't need to worry about. You know, I don't let things stress me out. You know, there's enough things that are stressful in the world to not let your insides, you know, become immature and childish to where they run around making problems. Like, I don't need to make problems. I don't need my emotions drawing on the wall. Like, they're locked in. I'm in charge of them. We're in control. Things are working out well. But if you don't get that right, it actually does lead you to the next section here. And so, number six, and this is for the emotionally unstable men, you guys are walking on eggshells. So many men are scared of their wives' bad moods. They are controlled by them. They'll do anything to avoid them. Fear. This is pathetic. When you alter your behavior to accommodate a potential temper tantrum, you are unattractive and weak man. Jeff, man, you are pulling no fucking punches with this list. And I love it because it's what men need to hear. So what, what did you have in mind when you were talking about this? What kind of situations do you see men walking on eggshells? It comes up a lot on the calls, as you know. Um, guys just make choices to avoid confrontation. You avoid confrontation because you're scared. And what are you scared of? Oh, my wife, my wife is going to act bitchy towards me. And you act like it's the worst thing in the world. And it's not something that an hour later, if you handle it correctly, uh, you're actually going to win her respect by not reacting to it. The fact that you can look at the uh, the mood and smile at it, uh, that that's what you need to learn to do. So then when you're sitting there looking at this, where do you see the man taking the first step to getting rid? Like, do you just sweep those eggshells out? How do you, how do, you do a, a clean sweep, reset, clean slate? When something bothers you in the moment, you address it. I mean, if it's reasonable, you, it, you take some context here. But if, okay, if something comes up and it bothers you and you fear yourself saying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to bring this up because I don't want to rock the boat, you know when you're doing that. The next time you do that, don't do it. <laughs> address it. Bring it up. Um, you don't have to be an asshole about it. You don't have to be aggressive about it. Boundaries like we talked about. And you, uh, you address it because you don't, care about what's coming back to you if, as far as emotional reactions you know when i look at that i see it a little bit differently you know to, to re at least reset it I, I agree with you on what causes it you know getting there like it's weird the things people don't address but as far as like cleaning that out i think in a, a direct attack at the thing like i i would go to jackie or or whomever i was walking kind of dancing things around I'd be like yo it's kind of weird that this is happening or hey what do you, are we going to talk about x like I would go after whatever it is you're walking the eggshells around. If it's about something that she did, something you did, something that was said, whatever it is, I would get her away from the kids and be like, hey, you know, let's let's talk about let's get this cleared out because both of us are kind of dancing around who's going to be the first one to budge. Well, as a man, it's your job to lead. And so it's your job to go after it first. Hey, we need to talk about that. Let's stop pretending that's not an issue. That is the main issue right now. And for many, it's fucking sex. Hey, like we're, we're sitting here doing this weird shit or we're frustrated about um family issues we're frustrated about money we're frustrated about whatever life decisions are being made there are a lot of tense discussions being had in families but then they're never addressed and so you're both kind of like pussyfooting around the issue when you could take a direct attack towards it and maybe that's just my personality but i think that if there's something wrong or something that you're dancing around your wife uh from discussing with her it's time to stop like that's just going to continue it's going to make it worse more awkward go after and have the exact conversation you want to have 
lead yourself to the point where you're able to do that. And you'll find that once it's off your mind, the life, the air in the house just breathes. You get that pressure off you. The eggshells are gone. You start working towards a solution instead of talking about a problem with her. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm actually thinking about some recent interactions that uh, we've had on the calls. And some people, they realize it and then they take like a weak, half-assed attempt where uh, they beat around the bush to try to express what they're thinking, but they're scared to directly do it. So if you're beating around the bush, if you're a little wishy-washy, be real direct about it. That That is avoiding the eggshells. I was thinking about the same scenario and that man did end up having that direct attack and kind of seeing the issue. And so here's the thing too, when you're in a community like FOE, you have others who can point these issues out for you. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I still don't get it. Well, you don't have anybody around you to help get it with. Like you don't have anybody to point out. You don't know what you don't know. And so that's one of the reasons I say, like I do my absolute best, but it doesn't mean I'm perfect because there are just things I'm missing that I just didn't see. And so I need friends to reach out and be like, yo, there's a hole over there. Hey, you forgot about this. Hey, check that out. When you roll on a strong network, people make you stronger. And this is why I believe in the whole pack mentality. I'm not the lone wolf kind of guy. I work in a pack. I work in a team. I will lead a team on my back, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to not have a hole in my own foundation because every single man is going to have their strengths and their weaknesses. And when there's a weakness, you need somebody else to point that out for you to strengthen it. A quick example. And this goes as far as like the literal definition of not even knowing you're fucking up. I was doing face pulls. Uh, Phil and I, we were at the CME in Las Vegas. I'm just face pulls, man. Like the simplest exercise. You grab the rope, you pull it at your fucking face and you separate it out to hit your fucking lats in the back. Uh, Phil comes up. He's like, no, man. He's like, put it on this angle. You'll raise your elbows up and then just flex in your back when you pull it. I didn't realize I was kind of chicken winging it to give it more of my biceps and shoulder as opposed to hitting the back muscles. Didn't even know. You have somebody there. He's like, hey, squeeze my, he put his hand between my shoulder blades, squeeze them together. Dude, it was like the first time I ever worked that muscle out. I was smoked like 10 reps in because I hadn't trained that. I was using the bigger muscles and I wasn't hitting the ones I wanted to hit, but I needed someone to point that out. And so there are a lot of men who are, I'm doing the reps of my marriage. I'm putting the reps in to be my best man. Yeah, but you're making a mistake and you don't even know. And that's why you need other people to point it out. Dude, I am the most lone wolf that it comes. I've worked by myself for 15 years. And, it, you know, FOE, it, you have the counsel of other men. Like, I can't, the, the guy that we're referencing, his marriage is improving because he's leaning in and he's applying the, uh, he's applying the information. You know, we're not there just to circle jerk and have ne- no one ever get anywhere. It's about getting from point A to point B. And uh, the progress is being made on the calls. That's a beautiful thing, too. I love seeing dudes win. It's like the greatest part of this. All right. Number seven, you treat her like boss mommy. A woman is not turned on by a boy who needs her permission. Again, it, it sounds it sounds self-explanatory, but there's actually a little bit more going on here. So, Jeff, when you're talking about the boss or the mommy, what what are you seeing in modern relationships that kind of highlights this? There's obviously some overlap in the step, but it's it's looking for permission. Like you're indecisive if you need the approval to make the decision. You make the decision and um you know, you've gotten your own approval. You take the input. You're the mommy. <laughs> you make the approval. It's not reversed. Whereas you make the suggestion and, and then get the approval. The dynamic is backwards. Desire in this, it, it's all, um, it's biological. These things make sense. Um, goes back to what we were talking about before with the relationship with between a woman and her father and the woman and her son. Um, you need to make sure that the dynamic is proper. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's the way it naturally was. 
we found a way to complicate it. It's like we got in our own way as a species and we made boys, girls, girls, boys, everybody's even. But the problem is when you make the black and white gray, nobody knows who's what and how to interact with the other. Like if you had a yin yang, you know exactly how they fit. But if I give you a gray circle and I say, hey, fit the yin and the yang, you'd be like, I don't I don't see where they are. I don't know where they're supposed to fit. I, wh which one's the white one? Which one's the black one? That's what I see in relationships, man. I, I see roles so skewed. I see this whole focus on equality because society's pushed it. That men are like, am I supposed to treat her like a man? Or is she supposed to treat me like a woman? Like these men are getting confused and, and it's avoidable. And again, we, we went out of our way to make this a problem. We, we literally, if we just lived our lives, it would naturally happen. I would say that's where Jackie and I are at our best. And that's as a relationship, the reason it is thriving the way it has for so long, because we just do our thing. You know, there's a lot of people who put the, the dom sub, uh, they, they really focus on being dominant and submissive. We, we live that naturally. I don't really say we live that lifestyle, but I would say that's exactly what it would align with, you know, because there's there's the masculine, the feminine, the male, the female. There's a healthy balance, the yin and the yang. You know, my wife is going to be the one who runs up and gets the kids and they're hurt. I'm going to be the one that stands there and says, hey, get up. We got to get stronger. You know, it's just natural ways we go about ourselves and it works harmoniously. It works perfectly. And the reason being is that I'm being me through and through. And she's being her. And that's what I love about her. And that's what she loves about me. But if I were to start treating her like my mom, we would be the biggest wrench thrown in our gears. I don't run to her and say, hey, babe, I did a podcast with Jeff today. Are you proud of me? Like, I, I don't do that, man. I don't I don't want her to like, you know, I would say that, I'm trying to think of even an example. The best example I can give of a recent time where I told her anything that I was like, yo, check it out, is when I hit my 502 pound deadlift. Because I had had double hernia surgery, like uh, not too far before then. I came back, knocked that out. I was like, babe, I fucking did it. Like I was just pumped and amped. But never am I going to her saying, hey, mom, be proud of me. Hey, mom, do I get a gold sticker? Am I allowed to wear this? Hey, mom, can you go buy all my clothes for me and tell me how to dress and tell me what to wear and tell me how I'm allowed to speak? And do I get permission to get a haircut? What do you want me to get for a haircut? You see how fucking pathetic that sounds? And then pull it back and go watch marriages. And that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what you see happening. It's fucking, it doesn't work, man. It's unsustainable. And honestly, a, a mother does not want to have sex with her child. So if you're acting like a child, the results speak for themselves. Your approval seeking shouldn't come from your wife. You don't get validated by external. You need to have your inner scorecard. I judge on how well I've done in the day by how well I've done on the day. And even my wife's opinion that, that doesn't affect my judgment. I know if I've been honest with myself, you know yourself, honest appraisal. Don't don't seek approval from your wife. She's not your mommy. I almost, I'm going to bring up the next one now. I had more to say to this, but it blends into this. And so this is where number eight comes in. You put her on a pedestal. Men are going to, they're going to have a hard time with that because we're supposed to worship the women. Women and children first, women, ladies first. Women are, are goddesses and men are just brutes, you know, and then you, you even directly address it. Uh, you say, if you ever say I outkicked my coverage, and this is the one that I was about to bring up, she's out of my league. Stop immediately. Ask yourself, why would my wife have passionate sexual desire reaching down to someone beneath her? Women are attracted to top tier men. Stop self-deprecating. Bro, I have brought it up in the group. I brought it up on the podcast and the blog. Self-deprecation and self-deprecating men are, are literally taking their shotgun, pointing it at their feet, shooting themselves in the foot and saying, why can't I run? You, you are the one telling the world you suck. You are the one that is telling your wife, like, 
your your happy wife, happy life. She is the the point of my existence, not just a part of it. She's this great thing, and I'm just this dumb animal. I'm so lucky to have my wife. Why do you think so poorly of yourself? And why do you think if you are that bad, she should think highly of you? It's insane, dude. I fucking hate this element to people's personalities and the social conditioning that's created it because it literally has men hating themselves and then wondering why the world hates them. Words matter. Um, neuro-linguistic programming, that's a real thing. And, uh, you know, if we, if we tell ourselves we suck, we'll start to suck and we'll start to believe it. But I actually explained this one pretty well. Like, why would my wife have desire reaching down to someone beneath her? We know that's not how women work. Women don't desire losers. They desire winners. So why are you telling her that you're you're beneath her? Uh, you know, it's it, that one's that one's pretty simple. We we or people do it. They're self-deprecating all the time. And they're saying my better half and and uh, I outkick my coverage. And it seems harmless until you actually look at what it is. And, and it's a really, really stupid thing to do. So stop yeah. immediately. And think about that. You know, the, my better half. I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's so common. It's just so accepted, but you don't ever see the wife singing about the husband. You, you <laughs> never, ever see the wife say, here's my better half. Why? Why is this a one-way thing? And I will tell you right now, when I introduce Jackie or when I want to bring her up in like a manner like that, where I'm like, hey, here's my girl. I'll say, this is my beautiful wife. Mm -hmm. My beautiful wife. That's it. This is my girl, but not my better. She's not my better half. You know, and when, when you look at where people are ranked or how they're doing, you know, there's like, oh, you know, you, you could have done better or, or she's too good for you or all this shit. Like that doesn't fly. If you said that to Jackie, she'd be like, you fucking kidding me? That's my husband. Do you know what the fuck he does? She would go out of her way to defend that if somebody even said that about me. We don't play that game, you know, but a lot of people do. And so when that gets brought up to her or brought up to me, they're like, oh, my, my wife, the ball and chain. I'm like, yo, Jackie's legit. <laughs> like she makes me better. She, she helps me become a, a better version of myself. I can go and do things with men in FOE. I can go do things for speaking engagements, whatever, and know that my home is taken care of. How could I do any of those things if my house is going to fall apart? If I had a low-tier woman who's going to fuck things up? There's no way. I'd be stressed out. I'd be thinking about home the entire time. No, I've got a girl who's motivated and driven, and we have a standard that we maintain. So I'm not going to make her look bad by saying I'm a piece of shit, and she's not going to make herself look bad by saying I'm a piece of shit. And, and the inverse is also true. She's going to get me amped up because she's like, yo, that's my guy. And I'm like, yo, that's my girl. We take pride in each other. We don't put the other one down by self-deprecating ourselves or try to elevate the other one by pushing us down. Like I push me up and I bring her with me. And if she's the one uh, dealing with these people, she'll push herself up and bring me with her. She'll be like, yeah, no, I'm fucking amazing. So is Zach. The dude's fucking awesome. If you don't have a wife who's going to do that, it's because you conditioned her to not talk well about you. Or if she doesn't believe that about you because you've convinced her not to. I walk around like I'm the fucking man. And guess what? The world responds in kind. And if I don't have that irrational self-confidence, I'm telling you right now, this marriage is going to fall apart. If I, if I doubt me or if I second guess me, if I start attacking Zach, Jack is going to be like, what? Something's wrong. She'll go fucking haywire if I start to collapse because I'm not me anymore. I became somebody else. And so this whole self-deprecation thing and just the better half, I can't be around it. I can't hear it. And the funny fact is neither can my wife. So this is not just a male thing. My wife is awesome. Like she's phenomenal. I choose her over everyone, but it's impossible for me to outkick my coverage. Some, <laughs> someone, someone's better than like, it, it's just, I don't even get the concept anymore. And it's funny how accepted it is, but when you break free from it, you, you can't go back. All right. Number nine, we get the last one here. You are not focused on your mission. What are you about? 
what drives you. Find a goal, anything to work on that requires dedication to improve. Immerse yourself in it, impose your will on the world, and go get what's yours. Focus on mission, not your wife. I want to bring this back to something I said a little bit earlier. To me and you, our wives are a part of our lives. They're a part of our mission, but they are not the point of our lives. They are not the point of our mission. We were not born to serve our wives. We were born to live great lives, and we found beautiful women who wanted to support that journey along the way. That's how it works. But I'm wondering, when, when you wrote this or even in your story, when did that really click for you? At what point do you think you phased over to where you realized, man, I'm, I'm meant to be more than a supplicating husband and father. I'm meant to be more than just a plow horse. This is a big one. This is the most important one. Um, it, it really clicked a few years ago, but it took a few years to, to be gradual. You know, my wife could my wife could die tomorrow. And if that happens, life goes on. Or, you know, if she left me, I, I have to go on. I don't want those things to happen, but I'm prepared for them. And I know I'll be okay. Um, I have things I want to do in this world. I have a person that I want to become. I want to keep improving. Like we said earlier, there's no, there's no finish line. I can't control if my wife loses her mind and takes off. I can't control if she gets hit by a bus. I can control if I put in the effort today, if I put in the effort tomorrow, a week from now, to keep improving myself. So that's what I'm going to focus on because I have control over that. And you know what? Everything else takes care of itself. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, I'm ready for it. I would say that allows you to act with more freedom as well because you're not afraid of the consequences. You know, you're not afraid of the scarcity that comes with that. And and fuck, man, if we're going to go all the way down this rabbit hole, we had a very difficult conversation uh, two nights ago. And one of the men shared that his a family member of his took his own life because he lost his girlfriend. They broke up and he couldn't live without her. How many men now couldn't live without their wife? Couldn't live without that girl. How many men have we already lost, man? It's it's fucking tragic, dude. And, and I know we're getting a little bit heavy here compared to like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll going on prior to, but it's it's a real thing to where men, their purpose is that girl. And if they lose the girl, they lose their their point in life. And I just hate to hear that. I hate to know that. I hate to think about the lives that have been lost. I hate to think about how preventable all that is. And more than anything, I hate how much people don't care. It's just accepted. It's just how it is. I mean, they made a fucking documentary about a girl who convinced a guy, and I think it was Rhode Island too. So way to go New England, but a girl convinced her boyfriend to stay in the car and kill himself. Like, you're just like, what is, what is going on? And why, why is nobody standing up for these boys? Why don't we see better examples? Why don't we see anybody? And if we're not going to, if we're going to say that men are not teachers and they're not predominantly in the school system, because that's just not a male oriented thing. There's no risk. There's no raw to it. You know, why don't we have groups that visit these schools? Why haven't we created programs of, of men of excellence? Students of excellence, you know, young men of excellence, sons of excellence. Why don't we have people visiting, going to there and helping these boys see like, hey, here's a standard and society's telling you this, but we're going to go do that. You know, your girlfriends, let's say your heart gets broken, your life will go on. And here's someone you can reach out to in case that happens. But you don't end it. You don't zero yourself out because of a girl. And, you know, there, there are many articles written out there. I know Rolo, he's obviously dropped several. But I mean, there are there are a lot of people trying to help these men. And putting it out there to save them from that brink where they jump off the edge because they lost their girl. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, man, not only will your life get better, you know, when you stop putting everything onto your woman, but that relationship that you love so much is more likely to last when you don't make it the fucking purpose of your existence. 
our minds are such powerful things and we need to be conscious about strengthening yourself mentally. Um, it's, it's about mental toughness and, and knowing yourself. You know, I, uh, I kind of want to touch on Phil's comment too. He had the first comment to the thread. Let me and see a, lot of, a lot of people take this and they don't understand it. And then the fear, the fear wave comes rushing in. Phil said, once these are addressed and she shows no enthusiasm, walk away. No sense wasting time. So once these are addressed, that, that can be a several year process. You, you don't just try it for a week. Oh, she didn't come around and I'm walking away because that's the easy road. And we're, we're willing to walk the hard road as men right now. We're willing to really take the time and put in the effort to make ourselves who we want to be. But I think Phil's perspective is important because I responded to him. Phil taught me something a bunch of years ago. He has a policy and he says, there's the door. Meaning like if you're not on board, Phil has done the work and he is a top tier man, mentally strong, leading his family, doing the right things. So if he's doing everything he should be doing as a man and his wife isn't playing, playing ball, there's the door. And I, I think that's kind of the advanced level is, is like, I, I want, I want to keep my wife. She's my favorite woman in the world. But if she, if she didn't want to support me and, and be on my team hundred percent, we would have that conversation. And once I got to that point mentally, it was a game changer. And you don't start there. You know, no. he said it and you said it is when you go at this with all the frustrations, with all the disappointments you might've had, like, I get it. It's hard. You're, you're annoyed. You just want things to be better and you're hoping to snap your finger and it is, but it's going to take time. And if you saw Phil's comments and if you heard what Jeff just said, neither of them said you start there. It's if you've done all of this, you put all those reps in, you did everything. Like I said, the man who him and his lady were fat or they were sad or they were just in that like bitter relationship, walking on the eggshells. And then it clicks in the man's mind. He joins FOE. He watches our listens podcast, watches this video. And then he starts making the, putting the reps in and making some progress and she doesn't come along. You keep going and you keep working with it. You keep seeing if you can build it. But at some point when you flipped all those stones, you've done everything you could do. It's time to have that talk. Like I'm looking to go somewhere. I can't spend the rest of my days in, in a marriage that is a dead bedroom. We're critical. We're, we're over critical. You know, we're, we're under happy. We're under laughing, you know, but we're over picking at each other. It's just everything that's wrong with it is amplified and everything that could be great with it is non-existent. And so that's not a marriage and your marriage is not meant to be an obligation to, to loathing yourself. If you're looking to improve at some point, I think you do hit a point, you hit a window, a threshold where I've given everything I had to give. I've done everything I could possibly do. There's nothing else I can do. She does not want to be a part of this. Now it's time to have that conversation. And so looking at this thread, Jeff, we go through these men are tuning in. There is something that, that we didn't really hit on here, but I would like to dive into. And that would be, what does the other side look like? Let's say you do those things and she gets on board. What is the relationship like now? And we don't have to go, you know, too intimate in the details here, but you know what I'm saying? What does life look like when your marriage is dialed in, your family's dialed in, and as a man, you're optimized, you have a direction and you've got a mission. It's beautiful. I can tell you this, this last year has been the best year of my life. And the one before that was probably the best leading up to it. And I'm very confident that next year is going to exceed all of it. Um, life in my home is, uh, it's harmonious. It's, it's pleasurable. We get along great. 
she's allowed to relax into her feminine and be the sweetest she's ever been in her life because she trusts me and she knows she knows you know I'm unflappable and that I take care of myself and that I'm on my mission that I'm not paying attention to little things I'm focused on the important things in life um it's hard to describe how good things are right now I have what I wanted I wanted excellence. I have it. And uh, we're going to keep going. That's really cool, man. And being able to see that, like I said, you let us inside your world and FOE. Like we get to see what's going on in the progress. And it's been cool because we've been at this for years. Like we've been doing this a long time. And so it's like each year was getting better. I've seen the compounded growth, but now it's just like rapid fire. And I love it because it's exactly what the world needs. And now we're freaking podcasting about it where before we were just kind of like sitting around table talking about it. And so it's becoming more public. It's becoming more open and seeing you share your story. I've got links to Jeff's Twitter below. I highly recommend you guys follow. If you're following me, you need to be following him. Now I'm putting that out there. If you're going to follow me, you want to be following Jeff because the message coming out is just fucking fire. It is helping. It is applicable. It is, it is not going to waste your time, which is one of my favorite things because I don't have any time to waste. And so I look for actionable advice. I look for content that will help me improve and I get it. And so Jeff, what, what's the primary way for these people to reach out if they want to connect with you? Hey, you follow me on Twitter. I'll teach you a few things about money too. Just uh, at Jeffrey Higgins. There we go. Like I said, link below. We didn't even get into money. You know, th this is the, the 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 thread on marriage. We've got a lot to talk about. I'll be having Jeff come back on. If you guys have questions, obviously drop it below and I'll send them his way. And either we can do a Q&A episode if we get enough or we'll just address them in the next episode. But if you've tuned in and you enjoyed this, appreciate your time. Make sure you like, subscribe, spread the good word. Let people know what's going on. More importantly, make sure you apply this to your marriage. Start working to improve it. If you have questions or if you're looking for support along the process, join the fraternityofexcellence.com. It's down there. Jeff and I are in there. We, we run weekly calls together just on SNR. You know, every Wednesday you can catch us dropping a sex and relationships call, but we're talking about it daily inside the group. So you can catch us inside of there. It's been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Y'all stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at ZachSmall underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.